Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my man himself, Yazin. What is up? Man, your boy just got vaccinated, though. Things are looking okay. bright. Let's go. Now you can finally shoot the ball pretty soon. We'll see about that. You know what? I, I put it in my left arm, so I can't dribble with my left anyway, so probably good for me anyway. But uh, yes, re- returning to a court near you soon, your boy. <laughs> Let's get it. And if anyone's playing outdoors with Yezin, the first order of business on the scouting report, force some left. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> Got him! For, for, force me left because I can't dribble with it. Vaccine, no vaccine. I can't dribble with my left. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very true. Everyone knows this at this point. I'm still waiting on my uh, vaccination situation, but uh, over the last couple of days, I've been like solely focused on the NFL draft last week and nothing too surprising thus far, but I am pumped that football is going to be around the corner to fill in my schedule later in the year. By the way, go Bills. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was cool to see a crowd like that in Cleveland. I haven't seen one of those in a while. I know it's starting to trip me out now that, you know, when I start to see now games with uh, a lot of fans in the audience now, because, you know, over the course of the year and a half, it's been quite an anomaly to say the least. And then now just seeing a full stadium is is kind of odd, but it goes to show that we're hopefully getting close to normal. So we'll see. We'll see. Obviously, the playoffs, apparently the NBA is uh, forecasting full full houses in each of the stadiums that are participating in the playoff. That's going to be cool to see again. PSA, if you can get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's not going to be any anti-vaccination talks around here, but let's get started. I mean, there seems to be a theme going on lately, as the listeners can probably tell with our episodes. All I know is that there is emotions in the league that are flying kind of high right now, and we are here to discuss these petty topics in detail. Without further ado, let's drop the beat. this week's segment of Run That, we will discuss, you guessed it, the Los Angeles Lakers and their struggles as of late. As you are aware, the Lakers were cruising at the start of the season, hovering around the second to third seed in the West. And unfortunately, due to injuries to LeBron and AD, they have now slid down a few spots in the West, but still in the race. Both their stars have returned, and yet they still haven't gone over the hump as the Raptors fully dismantled them last night with a score of 121 to 114, which now puts the Los Angeles Lakers Closer to the playing tournament, shockingly, do you think Yazin, the Lakers, have what it takes to not only recover, but to move back to where they were prior to injury? Uh, yeah, do they have what it takes to recover? Yeah, they do. When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the top, arguably, 10 players in the NBA, yeah, of course, you'll, you'll be able to, to come back. But to where they were before, that's going to be hard because there's only eight games left in the season, and they're currently tied. Uh, six, seven, and eight are tied with the same record. Uh, and you know, as you know, seven and eight do go into the play-in tournament. Um, so it, it's going to be hard to see, you know, them get back to that level. It's really going to be impossible. So the, really, the best case scenario for them is to be able to fend off that uh, that looming play-in tournament. You know, when you're tied with teams like Dallas and Portland, who are all good teams and who are all going to uh, contend to the very end and who make each game very competitive. Uh, and the fact that you know, LeBron isn't a hundred percent, 
you, with high ankle sprains, someone like myself knows high ankle sprains very well. I still feel it to this day. Uh, high ankle sprains are not easy to come back from. And he came back a, a little early to his own admission. And, you know, that starting lineup with, with Andre Drummond hasn't really had the time to, to prepare and to mesh well together. And, you know, he's has trouble when he doesn't have another complimentary guard. You know, he does play that point forward role that everyone talks about, but uh, when he doesn't have a guard like D Wade or Kyrie to, to really allow him to stretch the floor, open up the lanes for everybody, it's going to be difficult for him to get that offense rolling. They're, they're I think averaging about 109 points a game as which is among the bottom in the Western conference. And if you're not scoring in the West, it's wild, wild west for a reason, man. You're gonna be, you got to be dueling every single night. So they don't have a lot of time to pick it up. The best case scenario for them is to be able to fend off that play-in tournament because, you know, Lord knows what could happen if you get there. Yeah, greatly said. And when you're talking about the Lakers just as a team itself, just looking at the rotation, their rotational players for the most part have met expectations in terms of holding the team down to the best of their abilities. I believe they won half their games during the span in which I think it's a success when you're playing out West, right? Now, the narrative is still out since the beginning of the season, and that is the play of Anthony Davis. When you're comparing him to LeBron James at 35, 36 years old, still producing at a high level with the mileage he has on his body leaves Anthony Davis with absolutely no excuses. When you're talking about his lethargic play this season, which has held the Lakers back, and I'm not too sure what has happened. You know, the Lakers, they thought that it had to do with injury. Maybe he's a bit out of shape. And rightly so, they gave him ample time to rest as the Lakers wanted him to take it easy. And despite all of that, he is still struggling and playing some of the most soft basketball I've seen from a so-called top five player in the league. Now, something's got to give. And with the playing tournament established this season, which we'll discuss later on this episode, the Lakers definitely want to avoid that and having to deal with a one-and-done situation. And, you know, just to kind of wrap things all, all up, it is all on AD, and he has to be able to muster up the courage to play dominant basketball and help LeBron in this situation. And getting back to your point with regards to AD and Drummond, you know, still haven't meshed yet, I kind of see some similarities to, I believe it was last year, the year prior with, the Philadelphia 76ers having both Joel Embiid and Al Horford and how that didn't seem to work out. Do you think that, you know, with AD and Drummond, are they in that similar situation or do you think they can kind of get out of this funk? Yeah, they definitely are in a similar situation because Andre Drummond is very one dimensional. He's a very one dimensional player. He stays in the, in the, um, in the paint, grabs boards, offensive rebounds, putbacks, post moves. He doesn't really stretch the floor. And for Anthony Davis, you know, who does stretch the floor, it's, it's, it makes it a lot more difficult for guys to be able to find their lanes, to be able to cut, to be able to find the open guy. Uh, you know, even a guy like Marcus Saul stretches the floor a little bit for the Lakers, uh, makes their, their jobs a little bit easier, especially when you have LeBron James who's playing that point forward role. He needs to be able to see the court. Uh, and with Anthony Davis, you know, to play with a guy who takes up his space, really. I mean, Anthony Davis is very skilled, very long and lean uh, when it comes to post moves. He's able to hit that hook shot really well. He has a, a very nice turnaround jumper. But when you don't have that space to operate, it does make things very difficult. And you had mentioned this in a, in a previous episode where you had kind of thought, you know, maybe Drummond might be clogging up the lane and making things harder for Anthony Davis. Uh, he makes things easier for Anthony Davis in some respects. Uh, Anthony Davis doesn't have to be, you know, bodying up against guys and, really getting uh 
you know, pummeled down low against, you know, bigger, bulkier guys. You know, Andre Drummond can take on that, but he also sacrifices a little bit in that offensive mobility. And we've seen it. They're one they're really bad offense when it comes to Western Conference standing. So uh, it is definitely has its detriments and, you know, they don't have a lot of time to figure that out too. Yeah. So do you think that with all that being said, are they able to ascend to where they were prior to injury, the the two, three spot in the West? I feel like it's too deep right now with regards to the number of games left in the regular season and them fending up injuries. I, I think I just saw a report just now that LeBron is going to be out against Denver, which is not very good. I mean, it looks like he re-aggravated his ankle injury. And, you know, with, with just limited time left until the play-in tournament, that's not going to bode well for the Lakers, don't you think? Yeah, no, for them to, to get back to where they were, that's that's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Like I said, their best case scenario right now is to be the the fifth seed. Uh, you know, and worst case scenario, I mean, is to be in that play in tournament when you're playing against hungry guys who all you need to do is lose one game and then things kind of flip on their edge. So uh LeBron's not healthy, he needs to get healthy, uh, and they need to be able to string in a couple wins. He's not playing on a back to back here tonight. Uh, and you know his his status for the next couple of games is a little bit questionable. Does he just rest and take a risk in the play in game, maybe, or does he try to uh, force his team to to keep one of those you know top six seeds? They're gonna they're in trouble. Uh, Lakers fans, brace yourselves. It's, it's gonna be a, a long week for you guys. Yeah, and who would have thought that if someone were to tell me two years ago or three years ago rather that Steph and LeBron are gonna be playing in a tournament to make the playoffs? After going head-to-head for, what, four or five years in the finals? That's hilarious to me, man. And LeBron does, probably doesn't want to see a one-game Steph Curry in a playing tournament. That's for damn sure. So they really need to start securing their their spot in the top six. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to see Steph Curry in that playing tournament, uh, especially the way he's shooting right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of playing tournaments, let's go ahead and talk about our second topic of run that where there has been a lot of speculation with regards to players' feelings towards the playing tournament this late into the season. Players, as well as front office officials, are now voicing their frustration due to the non-guarantee of the 7th and 8th spots in their respective conferences. Amongst those players are LeBron James, and here is what he had to say about this. Um, well, it doesn't matter at the end of the day if I'm not uh, you know, 100% close to 100%. It don't matter you know, where we land. You know? So uh, you know, that's my mindset. And... Um, you know, if this happens to, uh, we end up at sixth or fifth or, or or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the, you know, the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is, whoever came up with that shit, uh, need to be fired. Um, but whatever. In addition to this, Luka Doncic shared his frustrations as he's questioned the logic of grinding in a 72-game regular season, only to be knocked out after one game. With all that being said, are the players' frustrations justified, and should the NBA reconsider making the playing tournament permanent? With regards to LeBron's comments, I find it quite ironic and comical. From what I recall, he initially recommended the play-in tournament last year. And I'm sure he was comfortable saying that because the Lakers were sitting pretty as they were first in the West with nothing to worry about, of course. As the Lakers are now in a funk as we speak and at a brink of playing in this playing tournament, LeBron obviously, due to timing, gets emotional about it, saying that the person who designed it needs to be fired. Oh, please you got to handle the cards that you are dealt first and foremost. Number two, if you truly believe that you earned the 7th, 8th seed, then winning the game to solidify that is a perfect opportunity. Hence why, personally for me, I like the idea of the playing tournament. You're the defending champs. Show us why you ain't worthy of being in the playing tournament and win the game. 
In addition to that, there's still seven to eight games left in the season, so you have ample time to get out of this predicament. But to whine about a concept in which you supported initially, to me, is hella soft. In the words of our Twitter brethren, Kendrick Perkins, carry on. As for Luka, same thing goes. The Mavs got to a hot quick start and they ascended as high as the fifth seed in the West, but now they slipped a bit, you start to hear Luka complain. It's just simply not a good look for these stars to keep complaining. Go do what you're supposed to do and win those games. And if you make it, then you're worthy of your playoff spot. If you didn't, then tough luck, mate. What do you think? 100% agree. 100% agree. I mean, that these guys, look look who's complaining. It's, it's LeBron James and it's Luka Doncic. It's two guys who are superstars, who are among the best players in the league, who play for, you know, the assumed best teams in the league as well. Uh, and, you know, for, for them to be in this play-in right now is definitely an ego hit, I would say, uh, for guys who think that they shouldn't be there. Uh, and like you said, last year, LeBron James had even said he, he's, he's all in for a play-in game. Uh, he, he thought that it was a good idea. And, you know, you've heard him, Luca, you've heard Mark Cuban complain about it. But the fact of the matter is the fans are loving it. You know, it is the most stressful, exciting time of the year right now. There's eight games left and really nothing is solidified besides maybe the top three seeds in both conferences. And that's that there's still time remaining too. coming from a, a Knicks fan point of view. I mean, they're sitting right now in the fourth seed home court advantage with eight games to go. They're only two games up on the play in spot. Uh, they can go from having hosting, you know, having home court advantage for the first round to having to win a game or two to even get into the playoffs. So wild. it's wild. It's, it's stressful. It's crazy. It's fun. Uh, and I love it. You know, a lot of fans are digging it. I'm, I'm okay with this thing long-term. It allows a lot of, you know, teams that have historically struggled to, to be in the mix a little bit, you know, uh, and to see these wild matchups and, and, uh, and for those playing games to be super stressful, we only saw it once last year, you know, with, with, I believe it was Portland and uh, Memphis. Now we're going to see it four playing games, you know, and then another two playing games, you know, for, for the winners. So it's going to be so fun that that stretch of games is going to be amazing to watch and it's going to be tense and I, I'm all for it. So Luca, LeBron, Mark Cuban, anyone who's complaining about it, stop complaining about it because this is good for the league. It's good for the teams. And one of the caveats that people are missing is that this is a deterrent for load management, you know? Now teams are fighting until the very end. You're not, you don't clinch a spot and then say, all right, you know, I'm good for, for the last two weeks of the, of the year. No, you're playing pretty much until the end. And a lot of these younger teams, they're not tanking either. It's a tank deterrent too. All in all, it's good for the league. And I'm 100% for it. I hope this becomes, you know, a, a permanent fixture in our playoff, you know, every year. Yeah. I mean, those are great points, Yazin. And, and to add to that, the reason why I like to play in tournament as well is because, you know, just as a sample size from last year, we saw Portland sneak into the playoffs via the playing tournament. And that's solely because they had the best team, right, within that group of playing teams that were that were readily available to play. Now, getting back to my reasoning about it, you know, we start to see teams throughout the regular season lose their stars, right? Where they were playoff caliber, they slipped through the rankings, and now they're like on the outside looking in. It gives those teams an opportunity if in fact they do get their stars back to get a crack at the playoffs and solely get, you know, the spot that they deserve. And I feel like for those teams, let's say, for example, if the Lakers end up slipping 
all year and then you have LeBron and AD come back for like the tail end of games and having to play in a playing tournament and then make the seventh, eighth spot. I mean, that's, that's something that a fan would want. They want to see the best teams in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, to win those games goes to show that you, you may not be the best team, but you deserved it because not only you were at that spot at the very given time, but you actually put it on the line with one to even two games within the playing tournament to secure that. Right. So, like I said, as a fan, I, I, I surely love chaos, especially right before the playoffs. And to also see the best teams and, you know, the ones that uh, are solely deserving of those positions. And I feel like the playing tournament is a testament to that. So, like I said, looking forward to seeing what things will ensue over the next coming weeks. Uh, yeah, chaos. That, that you, put it, you put it bluntly. It's going to be chaos over the next week. Uh, pandemonium. <laughs> to see superstars in one game to win situations come on man you can't ask for anything better than that yeah think about it it's just a couple game sevens so what's the right? what's the best two words in sports game seven who doesn't want more game sevens everyone wants more game seven yeah no doubt all right so that wraps up run dot let's head on over to AO moment of the week hey yo what the f- to continue on this all emotional theme here on game point pod we got something that has been a pain point all season, and that is the sorry-ass refs and their fragile egos. You might ask, what is Fata talking about? Is he cheesed? No, I am not cheesed, but do you know who is hella cheesed? Luka Doncic. During the game against the Sacramento Kings on Sunday, Luka Doncic was in hot water as he obtained his first technical foul because how he reacted to his offensive foul call made against him. He simply shaked his head in disagreement while yelling hell no. Obviously, I could relate dealing with refs. I say hell no all the time. Mm -hmm. But apparently, it was a strike one on this emotional ass ref, and he hit him with a technical foul. Now, later in the game, Luca was frustrated about a call and then threw the ball at length of the court. Now I get to admit on my side, I've done that before. Yezin was a witness, and I I was teed, right? But Mm -hmm. if you're looking at the NBA rules... It should simply be a delay of game. But no, this ref wanted to be a big mon with his little man syndrome and threw another tech at Luka Doncic, which ultimately ejected him out of the game. Luka Doncic, as well as the NBA universe, as well as myself, were dumbfounded by this. But let's just say, we're probably not surprised. This was the theme all season with these bum footlocker mans. Adam Silver, SOS, please do something. Please save this league. Please. Take it away, man. Yeah, I saw that. I watched it, uh, and I saw the replay. And, you know, on another note, Luka Doncic is one tech away from a suspension, which is insane because Luka Doncic doesn't seem like the player you think would get suspended right? or something like this. Uh, just goes to show that it looks like the referees are really taking it to heart, uh, these superstars. Superstars are getting teed up like it's like it's nothing, getting ejected from games. Ask Draymond Green. He's He's been ejected from far too many games that he didn't deserve to be. Um yeah, I read the pool report for for this technical foul, and and uh, it was apparently he he was shaking his fist angrily, and he said a couple expletives to, towards the ref, and that's that's not enough to get you teed up, especially for a team that's playing for their playoff lives right now in this playing tournament. So, you know, as much as I like to see the the Mavericks lose because you know their first round pick is conveyed to the Knicks, I don't like to see Luka Doncic get teed up for something he didn't do. Uh, I don't like to see any player get teed up for for something so fragile, like you know. I know a lot of people will compare, these old heads will compare to the 90s and things like that. And, and dudes used to straight up fist fight at half court. And, you know, that would get you a T. <laughs> but this shouldn't really get you a T. 
yeah, these referees, they're making a lot of bad calls. But on the flip side, my AO moment of the week is a good call, uh, at least in my point of view. Uh, it was a, a ejection from Marcus Smart uh, against the Portland Trailblazers, given Yusuf Nurkic just a, a straight-up low blow, just one of those you know taps right to the nether regions, uh, and you know Nurkic crumbles to the ground, as he should. You know That's a very painful thing to have happen. Uh, and Marcus Smart gets ejected. The reason why it's an AO moment of the league is because the Celtics are playing very important games right now. They're at the, they're the sixth seed right now. You know, they're fighting for their playoff lives, their play-in lives. Jason Tatum is putting on a show. He's putting up 60 points, 50 points on a Going nightly crazy. basis. Going absolutely berserk. They came back from a 32-point deficit against the Spurs to come back in overtime in that game. And, you know, the next game they come back and play the Blazers and Marcus Smart is ball tapping guys uh, and getting ejected. Just come on, man. Like, I, he's been on my AO moments way too many times this season. And he's not living up to his last name. I know it's cliche, haha, funny, funny, but he's not playing smart. And he needs to play smart because you got eight games left. You don't want to be in the play-in tournament. No one wants to be in the play-in tournament. And it was a close game and he just kind of threw it all away and, you know, for no reason. And he's a kind of a dirty player and he needs to figure that out soon. So, yeah, the theme, I guess, of this AO moment of the week are just the refs, you know, again. Yeah, it's actually funny that we have the honor of having our first repeat offender on our AO moment of the week, which is Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. Congratulations. You played yourself. I'm actually curious to see if we need to maybe rename the segment or perhaps, you know, label him as the JaVale McGee of AO moment of the week, similar to that of Shacking a Fool. What do you think? Oh, we will have a Hall of Fame for AO moment of the week. It <laughs> uh, will happen. Marcus Smart's on there. Russell Westbrook is heading there. Draymond Green is the godfather of it. It will have a nickname at some point. The refs. Everyone is going to be Hall of Fame worthy inductees. Uh, so they're definitely that's on the horizon for sure. Yeah, everybody's catching that smoke. No one's safe. All right, so that wraps up our AO moment of the week. Let's head over to games of the week. I love this game! <laughs> so I'm going to keep it short and sweet here, but my game of the week features two teams. You know, similar to the theme that we're talking about with the playing tournament, right? These two teams are hovering around the playing spots within the Western Conference. And that is the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Portland Trailblazers on Friday, May 7th. When I tell you, this is a big game. I can't even describe the magnitude of this considering how close we are to the end of the season. And I'm sure the standings will change once this game rolls around. But as of right now, we've got the Lakers 6th and the Portland 7th tied with the same record. What more can I say, to be honest? we got Braun versus Dame, which looks to be a defining moment of who avoids the playing tournament. Can't wait for that one. What do you think? Any games now in this last week where you have play-in teams playing against each other, is going to be must-see TV. I hope that they change the TV schedules. We get those on prime time. We get those on network television because those are games that are going to be absolutely insane. And mine is no different. Mine is Sunday, um, May 9th. It is Boston against Miami, the Heat and the Celtics. They play Mm. a back-to-back this week. So they play two games back-to-back, and that's going to decide a lot because you can go up two games or down two games or split it, whatever. A lot of other teams are going to be making ground, losing ground. When you're playing against a team twice that is literally neck and neck with you, something has to give and someone's going to fall and someone's going to rise. 
those two teams should be in the playoffs proper. Uh, but now one of them is probably going to be in the playoff in the playing uh, tournament. You know, it remains to be seen who it is. We've already seen Tatum go off. Uh, we've seen Bam Adebayo play, you know, unbelievable basketball. Uh, this is a, you know, a rematch of the playoffs last year. Uh, these two teams went at it, you know, head to head and Miami prevailed. Uh, so, you know, to see them now going at it back to back for that play in spot, you know, it's going to be so much fun to watch any, like I said, any team, any game where the two teams are playing for those are within the same sort of realm of the standings is going to be must see television. Yeah, of course. And to add uh, an honorable mention game this Thursday, we got the wizards and Raptors. That's going to be crazy too, considering if, the Raptors can somehow take care of business against the Clippers tomorrow, which I highly doubt. But if they're able to get to a point where this game matters, it's going to be absolutely crazy because, you know, right now as we speak, the Washington Wizards are on the 10th seed right now. And I think the the Chicago Bulls are right behind them. And Nikola Vucevic is currently out right now for tonight's game. And that's going to be very detrimental to the Bulls' playoff chances. So if the Raptors are able to string up some wins, and meet the Wizards on Thursday. Like I said, it's going to be either a two-game up, two-game down, one game up, one game down. It's going to be very monumental in terms of the games back with regards to the play-in tournament. So that's going to be an honorable mention for me as well. Yeah, that could be an eliminator game right there. That could that could be the end of the Raptors, or that could be the end of the Wizards. You know, the Wizards are kind of there right now, but, you know, like, we just have eight games left. Things can change, man. It's still very close. Yeah, and I think the Raps are just behind them by I believe two games or two and a half games so that so that matchup between the two is going to be crucial because if you sl- slash that to a half game back or one game back that's going to be critical so looking forward to seeing what these games will ensue over the next couple weeks or so all right with that said that wraps up games of the week let's head on over to blog boy talk so all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article yeah watch a basketball game how about you write that we got one question uh, within our blog boy segment, and that is, should the Raptors consider trading Pascal Siakam? All right, so it looks like we're starting to have this theme here on blog boy talk with regards to the Raptors and what they need to do with regards to their future and their present, whether they would go into the playing tournament and try to see what they can get and end up with a mediocre pick or tank and get you know a lottery pick that can be a cornerstone of their franchise uh, for years to come. And with regards to Pascal Siakam, I feel like it's going to be difficult for the Raptors to make any kind of move only because he is in year one of his four-year supermax, well, not even a supermax, a max contract, I think worth upwards of $139 million. And considering the way he's been producing as of late, I don't think teams will be budging on that, adding a guy making $30 million a year where you have no idea what kind of game he's going to give you, right? I can talk about you know, the game against Denver and Utah where he was absolutely atrocious a couple days ago. And then looking at yesterday's game against the Lakers where he's looking like a literally an all-NBA player. So it's frustrating from a Raptors fan standpoint just seeing, you know, the inconsistent play out of your star. But as for training him, it's going to be tough. I think the Raptors are one of those teams that are just going to have to ride the wave with him. And if it so happens where he has one year left on his deal – That'll be uh, a lot easier to trade from a franchise perspective, but he's year one into his four-year deal, and I doubt that the Raptors can do anything, or I doubt that any other team would be interested in taking on that contract. So I guess I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, I gotta I gotta ask you a question. As as a resident Raptors fan, why are Raptors fans so impatient all of a sudden? I mean, you guys have you won your first championship after 14 years of of, of existence or 24 years of existence, and now all of a sudden everything goes you know to hell because you've missed the you're on the precipice of missing the playoffs right now. Where's the patience? Where was the patience that was here when you when when we had to watch the Bosch and Bargnani era and you know the post Vince Carter era and and now all of a sudden you want to trade your you know star player one of the star players first year of his contract come on man like like come on answer this question for me show show me show me some consistency though that like that's what I'm talking about I shouldn't be sitting on my TV figuring out what kind of Pascal Siakam am I getting today. Right, we start to see other guys like OG Ananobi, who's been constantly producing every single game and not having that star status. Whereas when we look at Pascal Siakam, is literally playing Russian roulette. What kind of Pascal are we getting? Are we getting spicy P or we're getting mild P? And that's the frustration we have as Raptors fans, knowing what kind of productivity we're getting from our star player. We look at a guy like Kyle Lowry or even Van Vliet or even like looking at a guy like Kem Birch. Like he's, he ain't no star, but like, I mean, he's consistently giving me like 13, 15 points a game and like 11 rebounds. Where's Pascal Siakam? You're either going to get either like a 14 point effort or you're going to get a 40 point effort. And frankly, that's frustrating when it comes to patience. I mean, this is a shortcoming of man since the beginning of time where you see success you're always going to be greedy. You always want more. And frankly, I don't blame people that are looking at Pascal Siakam and seeing how fast, you know, he's grown. And I feel like that is kind of the shortcoming of Pascal Siakam. I feel like he grew too fast for fans to expect that on an every given basis, right? Like when you grow too quickly and you set the expectation, any kind of shortcoming to that is going to, you know, be such a negative vibe you know what i'm saying so with that being said with regards to patience i think it's more so of just seeing consistency rather than patience at the end of the day but but to trade a guy in 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 year one i mean he's he's only one full like season removed from helping his team win an nba championship like only one full season in between that championship ring and their struggles right now and they lost Kawhi leonard they lost ibaka they lost gasol but yeah, inconsistency, sure. But guess what? I, 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 I will tell you this. I will tell you this. Last year at this time, okay, us Knicks fans were considering trading Julius Randle. All right. He was our resident Beyblade. All right. He was super inconsistent, turned the ball over, threw the ball out of bounds, took some wild shots, and the Knicks were one of the worst teams in the league. Now, he's a top MVP candidate. And that is unmistaken. That is undeniable. It's unarguable that this man has turned his career around. Why can't Pascal Siakam? Siakam's younger than him. Siakam's younger than him. He has the playoff experience. He has a championship experience. Just give him some time, guys. Listen, if you're a bad team and you know you're heading in that bad direction, see what you got and 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 be patient. Let 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 it, let him ride it out. You know, this is year one of his new contract. Maybe in year three, if he's really not any better. You have to trade him or you have to figure it out or find some players that accentuate his skill set. Maybe that's the problem here. But to give up after after one year, listen, if we had done that last year with Julius Randle traded him to there was a trade offer that was rumored. Julius Randle to Charlotte for Terry Rozier and Malik Monk. 
And people were like, yes, I love that deal. Malik Monk is great. Rogier is great. If that had happened right now, we wouldn't have, be having this conversation. I'd be, I wouldn't have this podcast right now because I would not be wanting to talk about basketball. Okay. <laughs> have some patience with Pascal Siakam. I think he's still young. He's, he's still a great player. He will have his struggles now that he's looking that looked at as the guy here. Uh, and, you know, it's up to the team to put some players around him that make him better. Yeah, and I think I think the reason why you're more sympathetic about Pascal Siakam is because of the last two Knicks games that you've seen him just give the game to you on a silver platter with those turnovers and boneheaded plays. So I like that. I like that. <laughs> so to see that for the next few years is definitely going to be paying dividends for Knicks fans, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I do understand the patience part. I mean, you know, he's still early in his contract. Let's see how things go. And, again, I, th- I feel like for – a franchise like the Raptors, it would be easy for him, if they really want to trade him, it would be easy for them to trade him in the third year or his fourth year of his contract because that way you know what kind of guy you're getting uh, and if he lived up to it, right? Uh, so I guess we're just going to have to see, like I said, the Raptors don't know which direction they're taking with regards to the franchise itself, whether they're, they want to tank for a prospect or they're simply just trying to force uh, one last hurrah to get into the playoffs before they start rebuilding. So my famous quote, we shall see. The Raptors will have a chance to add some some players. They'll have a lottery pick this year. Toronto, is, is it the destination? Probably not. But hey, we've seen them do better. We've seen them grow talent and then trade it for even better talent. So, uh, And like you've said before, you know, the Raptors always have good player development. So maybe OG Ananobi makes that next stride. Maybe Fred Van Vliet becomes a top 10 guard in the league. You know, in the post-Kyle Lowry era, anything is possible. But for you, to, I think pa- Pascal Siakam need just a little bit more patience on the guy. Put some good players around him. You saw what he did against the Lakers. He killed the Lakers, you know, last night. Uh, so see what see what you can get out of that. And, you know, in the Eastern Conference with this new play-in tournament, man, they can be making the playoffs even with a bad team. Uh, they just need to tinker a little bit. So I have faith in Masai Ujiri. Yeah, but speaking of Masai, we don't really know if he's going to be staying with the team after the season because uh, I think his he has a, he's on expiring contract and there's no rumblings as to whether he's going to re-sign with the Raptors. So that's ultimately going to be in his hands. If Masai Ujiri can still continue this journey with the Raptors, then I'll be much more confident as to what they'll do in the future. But as of right now, it's all up in the air. You know, if I found Masai Ujiri, gosh, you're going you're gonna to get paid a lot of money by somebody. Uh, this I feel like this is a whole topic in and of itself of who you know where what Masai Ujiri should do, uh, but for for him to to leave this team the way it is right now, I mean he he has a decent club right now with some good pieces that he can maneuver uh, and 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 make into a winning team again. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put all my eggs in in Masai Ujiri leaving basket. Uh, I I'd, I'd probably give him the benefit of the doubt to maybe give him the hometown discount. Yeah, again, we shall see. I'm just hoping that they're able to uh, lock up one of the best executives in the NBA and see where this franchise will go. So with that being said, that wraps up Blogboy Talk, and that wraps up our episode. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe to our podcast, GamePointPod on IG, and GamePointPod underscore on Twitter. We are both on Spotify and Apple platforms, as well as Google platforms. Add reviews if you can. That would be greatly appreciated. With that being said, Yazin, is there anything you'd like to add before we take off? I would just like to say that the Lakers, Mavericks, Trailblazers, and the Knicks all have the same record in April. Who would have thought that? 
Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, same here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that the Knicks would have this kind of success. But here we are. You know, it's a it's a weird year, weird season, weird results. That's all. I have to leave it at that. But speaking of playing tournaments, we're planning on uh, having a IG live show for the prediction with regards to who's making the playing tournament as well as a playoff preview. So stay tuned on that on our IG as well as our Twitter for any upcoming events. So with that being said, we'll end it off. That's game. <laughs>